You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Well, good morning. I love that picture which Pete shared of uh, Winston Churchill in the bath. I'm not sure if it blessed you as much as it did me. But I, I certainly believe that preaching can... Well, God can work through preaching in a way that can submerge you deeper in his spirit as much as any singing songs can. So, I don't know where you feel right now the water level is up to, but get ready to be plunged in and that water spill out. Because this week, we're looking at the second in our series on bless. And our prayer is that that blessing overflows into our communities, into our friendship groups, into our work colleagues, and for us to be a church that really knows what it is to bless those people who are around us. If you are a follower of Jesus here this morning, then you are also a carrier of Jesus. That picture of the warm air of his spirit blowing over you, it doesn't stop there We are also to take that and blow it out into our communities and the people around us. I love that God has been speaking to us all morning about it, being sent out. Let's press in further and see what God's Word has to say about it. And we're using these six weeks to look at an acronym called BLESS, B-L-E-S-S. This stands for B, begin with prayer, which we started last week. L, listen, that's what we're doing today. Um, E, eat. You might be looking forward to that one. I know I am. S, serve. And the final S is story. And the reason we're doing this is it can sometimes be hard to work out how to start engaging people who are around you with the gospel, with God's goodness. And we want to make it as easy as possible. So we're going to get practical. We're going to look at what God's word has to say about it. And hopefully through this series, you will feel encouraged and motivated to have a go and to step out. This last week, we've been having our week of prayer. It's been wonderful to start the term in that way. And you know what? From this, um, this term onwards, every single term, we're going to do that. We're going to have a week where we come before God and we're going to ask him for the term ahead. I wonder, put your hand up if you saw an answer to prayer this week. Okay, look around the room. Be encouraged. God still answers prayer today. Last week, we saw how Pete um, showed that it's that connection with God which empowers everything else. He looked at the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and how God had called them to be a blessing to the nations, and how we as the church have inherited that same calling, and we are too to take on that mandate of blessing those people that we live, or the areas that we live within. Now, like me, you might feel a little bit frustrated or disappointed with how you're doing in that. Well, I want my friends to come to know Jesus. I want my neighbours to come to know Jesus. I believe it's the very best way that we can bless people is by introducing them to Jesus. And we deliberately not use that word evangelism in this series because it can seem like this um, difficult thing that we're being asked to do. Rather, we're trying to lay out a really easy way of getting started. And everyone in this room can pray. There's not a single person who can't start with that. And I'll be honest, that I found it difficult to reach out to my neighbours, um, get to know them. So I started with prayer last term. I knew that we were, we were going to preach on this in the new year, so I thought I'd um, get ahead and give it a go. And 
Pete mentioned last week that I created just a little list of people that um, I wanted to start praying for who lived in my area. And you know what? Some of the names on the list weren't even names. There was Guy at Flat 40 was one of the names on my list. I had never met Guy at Flat 40. I knew there was someone living there. I'd seen the back of his head occasionally as he went in his front door. But I'd never met Guy at Flat 40. So I started praying for Guy at Flat 40 every single day. And after a month of praying, something happened. I was at home one day um, during the week, and the doorbell went. And it's those, the wonderful words I love to hear, Amazon delivery. <laughs> I, my heart jumps for that. It's a present. It's, a, it's something that's arrived. And as the, um, the guy knocked on my door and he um, gave me this parcel, um, he explained that it actually wasn't for me. It was for flat 40. And would I um, look after this parcel and pop it round maybe later on, which... I gladly did. I thought, this is the moment. I've been praying for this every single day for a month. I get to meet Guy at Flat 40. I then spent the next few hours waiting in the flat, looking, looking through the little spy hole in my door to see what's going on across the hall. And Guy at Flat 40 didn't show up. So we've got this parcel in our hallway overnight. I'm thinking, gosh, I want, I want, to, meet, I want to meet the guy. And the next day, um, I'm, I'm around home, and I hear the door go. Not, not my front door, I hear a door close. And I assume that he must have got home. So I give it a few minutes, and I pick up the parcel, and I go out the door, and I walk up to his front door, and it's a big moment. I've been praying for this guy for a month. I'm thinking, I'm going to meet him. So I've got this parcel, and I knock on his door, and he opens the door, and there he is, guy at flat 40, and I say, hi, I'm Adam, I have your parcel. And then I think, okay, I've I got to kind of awkwardly hold this while I shake his hand. I'm trying to build a relationship with him. I've got to come up with a follow-up question quick, so this is more than just handing over a parcel. I can turn it into a conversation. So I say to him, ah, oh, how long have you lived here? Which he replies, 18 months. My heart sinks. I've had a neighbor who's lived opposite me for 18 months that I've never met. I'm, quinking, I'm thinking quick again. I've, got, I've handed the parcel over. I notice that the, the parcel is a Dyson Hoover. So I think, so, uh, you're doing some cleaning. <laughs> this conversation is getting more awkward by the second. I can tell by the... The tone of the response, which is one word, yes, yes, I'm doing some cleaning, that guy at flat 40 is getting quite tired of my presence quite quickly. Um, He introduces himself, though, and he says, hi, I'm Mike. Thank you for bringing the package over. I leave the episode there. I walk away. uh, But at least I now know two things about guy at flat 40. His name's Mike, and he may like cleaning. So I can keep praying. Um, Maybe you're like me and you've had some awkward conversations like that in your life. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think we're called to have more awkward conversations like that. And it is a great way to start. And we may feel a bit weird about it. But there's something about you have to get through the awkwardness to really get to know someone. 
And since then, I've had a couple more awkward conversations with Mike now in the corridor. Um, I did notice recently he'd upgraded his security on his front door. Nothing, <laughs> nothing to do with me continuously peering through my spy hole uh, at him at all. Um, but I, can, I hope that I get to know Mike a little bit more over the coming months. Now, I could have chose, I don't know anyone in my uh, block of flats. But instead, I chose to begin with prayer. And that led me to have a first conversation with someone who lives on my floor. Perhaps this talk should be called, Listen, the Art of Awkward Conversations. This week, we are looking at Listen. And I want us to take us to the Bible and share with you a story of Jesus doing this really well. And he's so good at this and seeing what we can learn. So let's turn to the story in Luke. It's in Luke 18, 35 to 42. And it's the story of Jesus speaking to the, uh, or healing the blind beggar. As he, Jesus, drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he removed his sight, he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise to God. We're going to come back to Jesus' response, what do you want me to do? That question that he asked the blind beggar slightly later in this talk. But for now, let me set it up by telling you another story. About 200 years ago, there was a traveling mystic who went from town to town. And wherever he went, there was a line of people that would queue up to spend time with him. There was a journalist that noticed what was going on. And he made a, a resolution to find out what was happening when they met with this mystic. So he got in line and waited his turn. And when it was his turn, he walked into the room and sat down. And the mystic looked at him and didn't say a word. The journalist started to speak. And the mystic focused his eyes on the journalist, encouraged him to say more and more, asked a few probing questions, but listened really, really well. And the journalist found that he started unburdening what was on his heart. And he shared more and more and more. And after his time was done with this man, he felt his burdens had been lifted. There was something powerful about sharing one's intimate um, just what's going on in your life with someone, that all those people understood. The power of listening is illustrated by that story. And all the man did was just, he was a great listener. He made eye contact and he asked great questions. The journalist felt like he'd been understood. I think we're all a little bit like that journalist. 
we have a deep desire to be listened to and to be known, really known. And that's the essence of relationships and friendships, to be known and to know one another, to listen well to one another. It's a tragedy that January in the UK and a lot of Western countries is the the top month for when divorces are filed. It can be an extremely difficult month for marriages. And there's one thing that can lead to a breakdown in that kind of relationship quicker than anything else. And that's when we don't listen well to one another anymore. You see, we carry this desire to be understood. And when our best friend, the one who's closest to us, stops listening to us, we don't feel heard, we don't feel known, and that can destroy the relationship. When we stop listening to each other, we cease to feel like we really know each other. And we can end up trying to fill that hole that's left by overworking, focusing on the children, drinking, pornography, another lover, the list goes on. If we're going to take the goodness and the blessing of God to those around us, then we first need to bring our own lives before God so that he can continue to work on us. Just like that warm breeze as it blows over us needs to start there before it can go on. So my question up front is, how is your marriage doing? Could it do with some maintenance or perhaps an MOT checkup? One of the things I most respect about Pastor Pete is his marriage. I remember early on he told me that he buys a book on marriage every year just to make sure that he's continually stirring himself to check in with how his marriage is doing. Not that a book is what I'm encouraging you to do. I'm actually asking you to listen and to listen well. If you're married, let me encourage you to take some time at the beginning of the year to check in with how you're doing and to listen really well to your spouse. And before you think, oh, Adam, I've got it all sorted, I don't. This is, this is accountability the other way. I've got to do this at the beginning of the year as well. Me and Shelley are yet to sit down and really think, how are we doing? So that's what I'm going to be doing following up after this uh, talk. And if you're sitting here and you've been through a divorce or you're in a place where there's relationship breakdown, don't for one minute feel condemned. God's grace is sufficient and big enough to cover you. This is a safe place. There is no condemnation here. And God can heal those hurts, although it's painful. Ultimately, God is a relational God. The Bible teaches us that we have um, our beginnings in a God who is relational. He does relationship perfectly because he himself is a team, a group, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we call this the Trinity. You may have imagined God as one person. The image that might come into your mind is one personality. Or maybe no personality at all. Uh, These days, people tend to think they are spiritual because they believe in a spiritual force. Some sort of ethereal power of spirituality that connects us all together, holding everything together. It doesn't have any personality, um, but it's real 
nevertheless. Even Donald Trump this week in his inaugural address credited um, a creator, an almighty creator, I believe his exact words were. Our belief is that God has a personality. It's beyond just a bland reference to a creator God. We believe that God expresses himself in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the very core of that is a relationship that listens to one another. The fact is, and that, that there's been, there always will be, that because God's in a relationship and we're made after his image, we are also made for relationship. God has always been knowing, hearing, speaking to himself. He's always been able to do friendship naturally because of his very essence. If God was just one person, then when he created the first man and woman, that would have been the first relationship he'd ever had. And he wouldn't be very good at it. Yet God was amazing at it because he's always existed in that relationship. And we believe that we're made in his likeness and therefore we're almost, or we're also built to be relational. And we thrive on it. If we don't do relationship consistently, then we don't do it very well at all. A few years ago, there was a film called Castaway where Tom Hanks, a FedEx uh, employee, um, he's on a plane that's flying over the South Pacific and it crashes into the ocean and he's the lone survivor and makes his way to an island, an uninhabited island. And here's a picture of him um, four years into his uh, time on that island. Now, Tom Hanks, uh, his character craves relationship. And because he was in a FedEx plane, there are other packages which have uh, washed up on the shore. And one of the packages was a volleyball, um, a Wilson brand of volleyball. And um, Tom Hanks creates a character called Wilson. He paints a face on the front of this volleyball, gives it some hair, so that he can have a relationship on this island in some way. He craves to be listened to to such a deep degree that he creates this. And we're all like that, ultimately. Now, we don't live on a desert island, so we've got real people to uh, build relationship with. We don't need... Wilson, and actually it's one of the saddest moments of the film where Wilson, the volleyball, is bobbling off into the distance on the ocean and they part forever, lost to the sea. Within the heart of every human is the desire to be known and the first step to being known is to be listened to. It's in relationships that we find ourselves anyway. It's in knowing and listening and being listened to. And being heard that we kind of discover more of who we are anyway. And the Bible presents us with this kind of God in all kinds of ways. If you go to the book of Psalms, which is a collection of poems and songs that speak about the nature of God in all kinds of ways. For example, Psalm 139 says this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in 
behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. And slightly later in the same psalm, verses 17 and 18, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand I awake, and I am still with you. Isn't that an incredible image? That the thoughts of God about you number more than the sand on the earth. He's a God which is passionately interested in you. He wants to listen to you. And then later in that psalm, we see it the other way around. The psalmist wants to listen to God. And that's the relationship which is described in the Bible. That's the God that the Bible described. Have you ever imagined a God like that? Well, God was so intent on knowing us well that he even became one of us so that he could walk our walk and he could know our lives from experience. The God of the Bible became a man, Jesus Christ. And one of the most interesting things about the life of Jesus is how much time he gave to listening. In fact, if you read the stories of Jesus, which are in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see there's not a lot of column inches given to listening. They're more concerned with what Jesus did i.e. the last three years of Jesus' life where he did his public ministry. What it doesn't cover much of are the 30 years Jesus spent listening to those around him, learning what it was like to be a man and a woman, building friendships both within his family and within his community. He spent 30 years, before he had something to say, he spent 30 years listening to us. I think we could learn a lot from the way Jesus did it. The Bible says that even as a child, he was found in the temple listening and asking questions to the religious teachers of the day. He speaks, or it speaks about so much of the the kind of God that he is. He listens first and then acts. And the story I read to you, you get a glimpse of what it was like to have Jesus listened to. In that example, we're firmly into the three years of Jesus doing lots and lots of miracles on earth. Yet, he still has time to listen. He doesn't just jump in and see a blind beggar and heal the man. Oh, it's obvious what this guy wants. No, he stops and he asks, what do you need? He's taking the time to listen and to hear what that man had to say. And then he responds by healing him. He wants to understand what's really at stake in the life of the guy that he's talking to. What do you want me to do for you? And it turned out that he did want to be healed, and Jesus healed him, which is great. Jesus pushes for the knowledge ahead of the intimacy so that it's personal. And it's the same with us. God is intent on knowing you. He's intent on intimacy with you and he's intent on listening to you. And once he's listened to you, once we've learned about that relationship with Jesus, he therefore says, go and do likewise. He sends us out. Something that we've heard a lot about this morning. We've talked a lot about it. 
Jesus loves to send us out. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that applies to you. The calling on you is to go and bless and listen to others which are around you and to share this great news, the gospel. It's so easy to rush into talking when we've got that mandate to get to the proclaiming truth part. Yet, I think we can learn from Jesus. We should spend more time listening to those that we're building relationships with before we get to the proclaiming truth part. Not to water it down. Jesus didn't water it down. You read some of the things he said, it was so radical, even rude at some times. Yet, people love to be around him. They love to be just in his presence, spending time with him. And he seemed to be able to do both things so well. Proverbs 10 says this, when, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. In other words, if we rush into talking a lot, sin isn't too far behind. But if we use our words carefully and we listen well, then there's a prudence about that. Look at the way Jesus did it. Look at the way that he was so highly relational, always seeking to know the person before doing the miracle or proclaiming the truth. I don't pretend that it's an easy thing. In fact, I think we can all find it a challenge. So let's look at one guy who seemed to do it fairly well as um, someone who inherited that call from Jesus. That's the Apostle Paul. Uh, the Apostle Paul describes his approach in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. And in fact, we see it in action when Paul arrives in the city of Athens, He's there to preach the gospel. Remember, that's the context. He's traveled many, many thousands of miles to be there. Instead of rushing in to just proclaim the gospel, he spends the time listening in tune with the culture there. And he's walking around the city looking at what's going on. And he comes across a statue to the unknown God. This is in Acts 17. The verses are on the screen. And he says... He sees this statue and it's to the unknown God and he thinks, aha, I've got a way of starting a good conversation. And so he gathers some people together after a period of listening. He says, hey, let me share with you something amazing. What you worship as unknown can actually be known. Not only that, but God actually wants to know you. And from there, he starts unpacking the wonderful truth of a God who wants to know the people who live in Athens. If Paul hadn't listened first, he wouldn't have got to the real heart of the matter and wouldn't have found a way of opening up a great conversation. So more practically then, how do we become 
excellent listeners. Well, I've got three quick tips for you. The first one is ask questions. The best listeners ask lots of careful questions. They spend time wanting to learn and know more about others. In fact, it's the easiest way to get to know someone. Ask a question, really listen to their answer, and then ask another question about what they've just told you. It's not rocket science, but it's something that's so easy to get wrong. Two questions to get you going next time you want to start a conversation with someone. You could ask them, tell me your story. I ask this many times. Um, Business networking, 30 seconds into meeting that person. They've told me what they do, because that's the norm in our culture to get to that bit first. And I follow up with, really? Tell me your story, how you got into that. And then for the next 10 minutes, they're just talking at me. And by the end of the time, I've asked some more follow-up questions. They think it's the most interesting conversation they've ever had. Yet I haven't said anything of worth. All I've done is listen to what they've had to say. A second question, what is your passion? If you want to get below the surface really quickly to find out what someone's about, ask them that question. You can phrase it in your own way, but find out what makes them tick. What are they excited about? What are they giving their life to? And you'll find out a lot about them really quickly. My suggestion is we practice on each other within the church. Let's be a church who really listens to one another well. When we come here on a Sunday and we mingle around, why don't you have a go at asking some of those questions and seeing if you can get to know people at a little deeper level. Obviously, meetups are a great way of doing that as well. Sign up for a meetup and ask loads of great questions and get to know some people. Have lots of awkward conversations. Number two, remove distractions. Think to a time when you felt like you were really listened to well. Was there anything else going on around you? Probably not. Was that person texting on their phone? Probably not. Was the TV on in the background? Probably not. The best environment to really listen is one where it's full focus on the other person. Now, it might be that's too intense early on. You don't get that opportunity to create that environment. Well, next week, we get on to eat, which um, the best way to create an environment where you can really listen to one another is over food. And I'm hoping there'll be some great practical tips on how to create that environment. <clears throat> Sorry, my, my voice is breaking. Um, number three, listen. This is the last tip. Listen with your eyes. Not only should you be focused in terms of your eyes on the other person. What I mean is we listen well when we're picking up body language, when we're looking around the situation. I noticed that Mike um, liked cleaning because the Dyson box was in his hand. He did not tell me that. That was something I observed by looking at him. Um, I could also work out that he wasn't really enjoying this conversation, so I kept it short. Listen with your eyes. And listen, I guess there's a broader uh, comment on um, church and culture more generally. Are you looking at what's going on in society and culture that will be good things to have conversations about? 
Are you aware of where people are at generally? Because there's some amazing opportunities if we tune ourselves in. There's no one in this room who is fully equipped to go themselves and be an amazing listener. We're way too insecure for that. We're way too needy. We first come to Jesus, who gives us everything. If we come to the one who has all things, then we get all things. And if you have Jesus in your life, then you're already an incredibly secure person. Not because of how you feel, but because the object of your security is a rock, not on our own feelings. And then we can align our feelings with that truth, and it gives us the confidence to be great listeners. Maybe for some of us here, we've never even thought of it like that. You've never thought of God would have time for you. Maybe even practically you feel you've been trying to speak to God, but he's not hearing you. Well, my friend, you can be sure that God does want to know you, and I can tell you this for this reason. Ultimately, having listened to the people around him, Jesus, for 30 years, Jesus knew what it really would take to solve the problem in our lives. Someone needed to take on the punishment that we deserve, setting us free. He'd picked that up from listening. By being crucified on the cross and dying for the things that really we should have died for, the sacrifice that we might live. And even as Jesus was dying on the cross, a desperate criminal cried out, from the side with one last question. Remember me and your kingdom. And you know what? Jesus had time for him. Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus is a God who wants to listen and ultimately has the answer to our question. Jesus is like that and he wants to listen to you. If you ever feel like God isn't listening to you, I want you to look and gaze at the cross, because that's where the proof is. It's not a feeling, it's looking at the cross. You'll see what he's done for you, and it will give you the confidence to know that he's a God who is listening and wants to meet your deepest needs. Pete's going to come back now, and he's going to lead us in a time where we get to gaze upon Jesus. We get to remember what he did at the cross. And we get to respond in a way that says, yes, Jesus, thank you for listening. And thank you that you give me the power to listen to others and to take that blessing into the communities around us.